0: I'm in a series right now called The Dummy Series. Uh, we have our finale to The Dummy Series next Sunday. I'm going to share with you something. The Lord spoke to my heart last week on vacation while I was just having some time with Him. And uh, I feel like, uh, I feel like it, it, it's, it's powerful. And, um, and so that's one of my favorite things about vacation is just getting away and, and every morning waking up and just kind of soaking in the, the Word of God. And He always I always, I always hope that public ministry always flows out of private intimacy. Rather than me digging through this thing, God, I got to preach something, help me out. I want it to come out of my time with him. And so next week is going to be that, and I'm really excited about it. And then we will start a walk through 1 uh, Peter after that. And, uh, and so um, I'm in a series right now called the Dummy Series. How many of you guys have ever seen the dummy books? How many of you guys have ever bought a dummy book? How many of you bought a dummy book for somebody else and, and they, they didn't take it the right way. Anybody ever had that one happen? So uh, today I'm going to do one, and it is simply just called Wrestling for Dummies. And uh, I had a video. I'm not going to show that video right now, Brylon. so you, you're, you're off the hook there. Uh, when I talk about wrestling, I'm not talking about like WWE, Stone Cold Stunner stuff. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about like, you know, the legit sport how many of you guys have ever, ever were wrestlers in high school? Anybody? Cool. Yeah, me neither. I wrestled for like 15 minutes in high school. 15 minutes. I, I showed up and uh, it was my senior year and I was, uh, I was getting ready to go off to play college ball at Muskingum, go play college football. And I was, so I was like, you know what? This would be a great way to stay in shape, to stay sharp. And so I showed up to the first wrestling practice, which also just so happened to be my last one. I cracked my shin on the bleachers about 10 times, and then they put me with this guy by the name of Jeremy Clemens. and Jeremy is now a state patrolman. Jeremy was a a state qualifier at the uh, weight of 215 pounds, so I had him by a few pounds, but he had me by everything else, and they're like, yeah, so you're going to work out with Jeremy, and that dude mopped the floor with me for a good hour, and I'm like, you know what, I'll just kind of work out on my own. And so I literally made it through one practice, and I'm like, yeah. So I have the utmost respect for, for, uh, for our wrestlers, and today we're going we're gonna to talk about wrestling. And you may already know where I'm heading with this, but we're going to talk about the day that Jacob wrestled with God. And uh, maybe you have your Bibles with you. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 32, and uh, I'm just going to read uh, just kind of the story, and then we're going to go back in. And we're just going to talk about it. This is one, uh, you know how there are biblical truths that grab a hold of you and it's just something that you always kind of point back to and you just can't shake? This is one of those for me. And so I thought I'd like to share it with you. So here we go. This is happening as Jacob is about to go meet his brother Esau the night before. So here's what happens. Jacob arose that night, took his two wives... His two female servants, his 11 sons, I got one son, that's enough, Uh, and he crossed over the fort of Jabbok. He took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. That's God, okay? So now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip. His hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said to him, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask my name and he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life was preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. So kind of we got like a house situation now, where he limps the rest of his life. All right. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle of the shank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched it, the hip, the hip of Jacob, and the muscle shrank. This is loaded. With stuff. And Jacob has a heart of a wrestler. And I hope at the end of this that we all have that same heart. Amen? And, uh, and so you see some things here. First of all, we see right away that Jacob met with God in a moment of desperation. Now, why, why is it that this is a moment of desperation? Well, here's what happened Jacob. Is meeting the next day with his brother Esau. It's been a very long time since they since they have seen each other. And the last time they were together, Jacob did his brother Esau dirty. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? He he really he really kind of cheated him out of all kinds of amazing things. And and so Esau was the bigger brother. He was the gamesman, he was a man's man, Jacob was not. And so Jacob is scared to death. His big brother is on his way to meet him. And last time they were together, he did not treat him well. So he came to a place of of desperation from his own actions. And I don't know about you, but there have been moments in my life where I've came to a place of desperation and the whole reason I came to a place of desperation was out of a result of my own behavior and my own actions. Anybody ever been there before? Right? And so that's where Jacob is. And so... We set ourselves up for a big encounter with God when we approach God from a heart of desperation. Remember, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I talked about sight for dummies. I talked about the two blind men. And what I said was their level of desperation was far greater than their level of discretion. And when your level of desperation outweighs your 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 level of discretion, you are now subject to a miracle because you don't care what it looks like You don't care what people think. You just know that you need God to do something and you're not afraid to tell the entire world that you need him to do it. That's where Jacob is right now. And we can find ourselves in those moments where we can be desperate for God to do something. It may be because of our own behavior. It may be something that was thrust upon us, but no matter what, we all find ourselves at some point in time or another in a place of desperation, amen, where we like really, really, really need God to move. There was a, a philosopher by the name of Socrates. You've probably heard of him, Socrates. It's a joke. It's Socrates. You guys are horrible. Wake up. All right. That's, that's comic gold right there. Socrates had a man walk up to him and he said, I really want wisdom. And Socrates said to him, he goes, how bad do you want wisdom? He goes. I want it bad, like bad. Like he's like, are you desperate? He's like, I want it really bad. And so he's like, come out tomorrow, meet me at the ocean, and we'll talk. And so, the next day he shows up, and Socrates takes him out into the ocean, and he dips his head underwater. And when he pulls him out, he says, "What do you want?" He says, "I want wisdom." He's like, "Nope, not good enough." Does it again? What do you want? Wisdom. Does it again? What do you want? Obviously, the guy thinks that Socrates wants to hear wisdom. It's not what he wants. He pulls him up the last time. He says, now what do you want? He says, I need air. He goes, when you need wisdom, like you need air, that's when you'll see wisdom. And I feel like when we're in a place where we need God to move, when we're so desperate, God, if you don't move in my life, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's a recipe for God's miraculous abilities to, to show up on scene and change it, amen? So that's where he is. And so this angel shows up, God shows up, and, and, and it, it's crazy because Jacob grabbed hold onto God and would not let go. You see in verses uh, 24 through 26, it says, Jacob was, le- was left alone and a man, that's God, wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So all night long. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him. Now understand, he's saying he didn't prevail against Jacob. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip, and his hip was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. He said, Let me go for the day breaks, but here's what Jacob said I will not let go unless you bless me. He grabbed a hold of him and absolutely fought tooth and nail for what he knew he needed. I think we need to get back to the place where we grab a hold of God and we just don't let go. you understand what I'm saying? I think we, we the altar needs to become a place of blood, sweat, and tears again. Not just a place where fancy ministry happens. Some of the most amazing moments in my life happen when I come to the altar absolutely broken and I refuse to leave until God does something. And I don't know, I feel like we've, we've kind of lost that but God honors the prayers of those who refuse to give up. In fact, he tells you, knock on the door, keep knocking, keep pounding. Hold me to my word. Do you know that God tells you to hold him to his word? God, you said this. You said that you're the healer. You said that you're the provider. You said that you're my strength. You said that you're my refuge. I refuse to let go until I see you do these things. So often... We take our cues as followers of Jesus from that great theologian, <clears throat> theologian, Tommy Boy. And here's what it looks like. Here we, we, we cry out, and here's what happens. So show them the video. No. Uh, we don't take no prisoners. We don't take no for an answer. Oh, yeah. We don't take no for an answer. Yeah. We don't take no for an answer. We don't take no, no for an answer. <laughs> No. Gotcha, thanks. Mm Mm-mm. Terrific, thanks for your time. And that's how we act. We go to God, and God's answer isn't always no, but sometimes it's not yet, but we treat it like a no. We're like, good, thank you so much, I'm out. Maybe God wants us to grapple with Him over it. Maybe He wants us to wrestle with Him. Maybe He wants us to grab a hold of Him and say, God, I refuse to let go until you heal my friend. I refuse to let go until you change my situation. When you meet God at a place of desperation and you grab a hold of him and you refuse to let go, that creates an opportunity for God to do something. But when we take no for an answer, we leave it right there. Sometimes it's not a no. Sometimes it's a not yet. Sometimes it's a how far will you go after this thing. you hearing me? Is it that good of a sermon where you're just dumbfounded and can't amen? Like, am I crushing it that much? Awesome. Been dreaming for a day like that. So Jacob meets God in a moment of desperation. He grabs a hold of him and won't let go, and some amazing things happen because of it. The first thing that happens is God changes Jacob's identity. You look in verses 27 and 28, and he said to him, "What is your name?" And Jacob, I could just imagine if he puts his head down when he says it, and he just says, "Jacob." Jacob has a meaning, and we'll talk about that in a second. He looks at him, he says, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and prevailed. I hear, you don't hear their voices, but I feel like in this text I see Jacob's heart when he says to him, What's your name? Now you got to understand something. God knows every hair on your head, it's numbered. Even the ones that we get rid of ourselves, right? God has all of them numbered. So does he know your name? Yes. Is he intimately aware of every aspect of your life? Yes. Has he missed one thing, even though you may feel like he has? Absolutely not. So maybe the question wasn't for God's benefit. Maybe it was for Jacob's maybe that question was asked for Jacob to begin to inspect who he was because the name Jacob means heel catcher actually so when he when when his brother was born he was actually a twin him and esau were twins but in my mind in my mind i see esau bigger stronger but esau came out first but Jacob had a hold of his ankle on the way out he robbed his brother of his birthright and he tricked his father into blessing him. The name Jacob actually means supplanter, someone who steals from other people. And this is Jacob's identity. No matter how much God blesses him, he's now got two wives, which at, at this time was underst- was good, but we're, that's, we're not living that life now. all right. So don't get any ideas, men. All right. He had wives. He had children. He had servants. He had had all kinds of livestock. He was blessed. But yet still, when he looked in the mirror, what did he see? He saw the heel catcher. He saw the supplanter. He saw a cheat. He saw a crook. And so when God said to him, what's your name? That's what he claimed. I'm Jacob. I'm the heel catcher. I'm the supplanter. I'm the one who robs people of their birthrights. I'm the one who tricks people into blessing him. That's who I am. Now that you've asked, that's who I am. Can you hear the shame in his answer? And so God says to him, no longer will your name be Jacob. I'm going to give you a new name. With that new name is a new identity. No longer are you the heel catcher. No longer are you the supplanter. You are now the one who's wrestled with God and you've wrestled with man and you've come out on the other side. God changed his identity. And you can see Jacob for the rest of his life, he becomes Israel and his life is completely different. He's a different man from this moment on. Amen? Amen. This is who he was, but now this is what God has done. He didn't just change his behavior. He rebuilt the core of who he was. Friends, I just want to tell you this. God wants to change your identity. That thing that you see when you look in the mirror and you're just not happy with, God wants to change that. And God doesn't just want to change your behavior. He wants to rebuild the core of who we are and give us a new identity. Let me ask you this, friends. What's your identity? I have over here some identities. Someone who is abandoned and rejected. Broken with no hope. Ashamed from abuse and unlovable. Divorced. Broken. Lonely. Distracted. 24 hours to live. Say your goodbyes. Lost. Anxious and afraid. Fear. Unsure. Terrified. These These are people's identities. Let me ask you something. What's your identity? When you look in the mirror, when you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you see? Where are you at? What is your identity? Hopefully, by now, God gets you to understand that he doesn't want you to live by these words. He wants to give you a new name. He wants to give you a new identity. One in which your primary identity thing that that describes you as i am a child of god i am his i may not feel like much but i'm his amen Amen? i may feel like a disaster but i'm his disaster amen Amen. how many of you guys are god's disasters okay same (laughs) i'm there the fact of the matter is if you are willing to wrestle with god he will change the very core of who you are he will change your identity so that no longer when you look in the mirror do you see somebody that makes you hang your head that brings shame. When you look in the mirror you say I'm a new creation in Christ and he's changed my identity. Amen? My favorite part comes up. So they're, they're wrestling and they're, they're grappling all night long. He has touched Jacob's hip And here's what it says, verses 31 and 32. It says, just as he crossed over Peniel, and the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle that shrank. So basically, what you have is you have Jacob. He comes to this moment desperate, scared to death because he doesn't know what this interaction with Esau is going to look like. And he shows up, and he grabs a hold of God, and he refuses to let go. And God says, I'm going to change your identity. I'm going to make you into a new creation. You're going to be a completely different person. But then he also touches his hip, and he visibly walks different for the rest of his life. That hip never healed. That hip never got better. He walked with a limp for the rest of his life. And not only that, it then became legend to all of his children and his children's children the moment where God touched him and Grandpa walked differently for the rest of his life. Amen? Amen. Friends, I'll just tell you this. If you are willing to come to God in a moment of desperation, no matter what life looks like for you right now, and if you are willing to grab a hold of him and say, I'm going to I'm going to hold on until you bless me, until you bring healing to my body, until you change my marriage, until you change my finances, until you change my health. I'm going to grab a hold and I'm never going to let go. God will change your identity. And that identity that used to give you shame will no longer exist only in the form of a testimony. And now you're a new creation. And you will walk differently for the rest of your life. I believe that God is looking for people that will grapple with him for the rest of their life. All of the generations that followed were touched by the legend of Jacob's new walk. And I believe that if you'll grapple with God, all of those who follow you will be as well. You look at these stories and the people who dealt with these stories, they walk differently as well. This is what God does. Go ahead and stand to your feet. He takes people who are willing to wrestle with Him, who come in a moment of desperation, who have no other choice but to grab a hold of Him and say, If you will bless me. I'll live differently. If you'll just, I will just hold on to you until you do this moment. I refuse to let go until my life is changed. I refuse to let go until you heal my family, until you bring healing to my, to my body, until you, until you heal my marriage, until you touch my finances. I refuse to let go. God will change your identity just like he changed these identities. And there's so many more. It's just a microcosm of what God's done in this room. And it becomes really real when it's just a sign on the wall, but now somebody's holding it saying, I once dealt with fear, but now I'm safe in the arms of Jesus. I once was abused and neglected, and now I'm loved and accepted. I was, I was divorced, and now I'm restored in Jesus' name. God wants to do these things in your life, but you've got to be willing to grab a hold of him and refuse to let go. And with everything that you have, proclaim that you are going to hold on to him until he changes your identity and you walk differently for the rest of your life. This is what God calls us to. I want this building to be filled with people who grapple with God, who aren't afraid to grab a hold and never let go, even even when, some, when God says, okay, it's fine. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold on to you and watch you do what you do, God. That's who we're called to. be. Amen? Friends, God is calling you by name. And maybe you're here today and you've never known him. Maybe you still have that name. Maybe your name is a name that's not favorable. When you look in the mirror, you don't see somebody you're happy with. And you just need God to change it. Today could be that day. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things pass away and all things become new. That can be you. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, today is your day. If you knew him and walked away, it's time to make that return, to grab a hold of him and say, I will never let go. I wanna walk differently. And I want you to change me from the inside out. Change the very core of my being. Amen? Listen, we have plenty of time. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna crank up the music and these altars are open. If you're here and you have something you need God to do in your life, God's not a magic eight ball. He's not a lucky rabbit's foot. We don't put our hand on him and just hope for the best, but he is our Lord and our savior and he loves us and he wants to do a work in our life. Sometimes we just have to open up the door for him to do it. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to step aside and we're just going to crank this music and this song's going to be on a loop. If you need to come and just take some things to the altar, there's a person in this room, God gave Ashley a word. You've been carrying some heavy things. Here's your chance to leave it at the altar. If If you're dealing with something, maybe you're not even dealing, you just want to be closer. You just want a closer walk altars are open. If you need prayer, we have prayer team members. We'll pray for you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, come talk to me. I want to have that conversation with you because God wants to change your name and help you to walk differently for the rest of your life. Amen? Father, thank you so much for your presence in this room. God, thank you for the lives that are changed already. God, I'm blown away by those signs. (laughs) 24 hours to live. Say goodbye. lost in fear, safe in the arms of Jesus, abandoned and rejected, accepted and loved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the work that you've already done. But God, here we are, we need more. And we just ask you to pour yourself out in a mighty name of Jesus. For those who've never accepted Jesus, I pray that this would be the day that you touch them and they walk differently for the rest of their lives. We love you, mighty God. We latch on to you, and we refuse to let go in Jesus' name. Amen. Crank up the music. If you want to get to the altar, get to the altar. If you just want to come and worship, come and worship. If you want to come talk to me, come talk to me. If you got to go, fine. Crank up the music. Altars are open.